on this fourth Sunday of Advent. I hope that your Christmas preparations have gone well in this very different sort of year. And I have to tell you that it was a very different sort of year that very first Christmas. As all of the prophecies came together and built up to this time when God's promise became a reality. Today, we'll be hearing about Mary and her visit to her cousin Elizabeth as she shares a moving, magnificent poem that speaks the truth of what it means for God's promise to be lived out in our lives and in the world around us. These are important words for us right now. In this world where sometimes, in this moment, it feels like the paths aren't very straight. Feels like sometimes we dip into the valley. Sometimes it feels like we take a detour. But in these moments, if we trust in God, we can find that these are straight paths. If we lean into God, we can find that he comforts us and lifts us up from those valleys. If we will lean on him and trust in him and stand on tiptoe into that promise. And we can find that it feels like a detour. He's leading us to places where we need to speak out where we see injustice, when we're led to places out of our privilege where we would have never stepped before. And so in this season, so like the season into which the Christ child was born, we have an opportunity to live the Magnificat in our lives. So welcome. Welcome to the fourth Sunday of Advent. Please join us in our call to worship. We don't know what to expect, do we? We, we expect this Christmas to be different than every other Christmas we've had so far. The future is wide open. God has wonderful plans in store for us. What we expect is so much better than what we're experiencing now. No matter what's coming, God will be with us. God's word will not return empty, but will accomplish all that God has planned. Please join in singing our Advent hymn, People Look East. Angels announce with shouts of mirth Him who brings to life to earth Set every peak and valley humming With the word the Lord is coming People look east and sing today Peace the guest is on
Today we light the fourth candle of Advent. Every day we stand on the threshold between this world and the next one. We live between the common and the divine. It is easy to forget that the life we live is a precious gift and the love we give is a sign of eternity. God is with us right now. We forget that company is coming. In the Gospel of Luke, we read the, that God's favor came to favor came to a girl, an ordinary girl. It might have been you or your daughter. It might have been the girl down the street or your grandchild. But this girl's name was Mary, and God's messenger said, The Lord is with you. What a gift and a promise. Emmanuel, God is with us. We light these candles with peace in our hearts because God is near. Even when we forget to listen, to learn into that presence, God is as close as our own breath. Even when the world is a mess, when, even when we are confused, there is peace that passes all understanding. It is the peace that knows the com that company is coming. Let us pray. Father God, help us hope for peace and to give thanks for all you that have done for us in the birth and life of Jesus. Amen.
us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Can you remember? Can you for a moment put yourself mind and body back in junior high when you were 13 or 14? What was life like then? I hope that there are some listeners out there that have a lot of vivid memories of junior high because you've just passed through that stage. Or maybe there's some listeners that are in it right now. I think in, in many ways, 13 and 14 year olds are much more sophisticated than I was when I was in junior high. I mean, the biggest decision that I had before me was deciding between Converse or kids tennis shoes, or if I was gonna spend my allowance on, on bubblegum baseball cards or the latest album of the Beatles, let it be. That's what was going on when I was 13. I didn't know at the time because I had no idea what I was gonna do with my life. But at age 13, I had 12 more years of school to go through before I would get married and start my career as a pastor and begin my life as a gainfully employed adult. Right here in Geneseo, many 13 and 14 year olds these days are already gifted musicians, skilled athletes, excellent students in math and reading and science and communication. They will go far. But here's the bad news to all of you 13 and 14 year olds out there. You still have four to eight to 10 to 12 years of school ahead of you before you launch into full adulthood. On this fourth Sunday of Advent leading up to Christmas, I'm focusing on the account of Mary, who was, was about 13 or 14 years old when this event took place. Most good Jewish boys finished schools and began their careers as young teens and were betrothed which is a stage of dating that we don't have anymore, which is like being pre-engaged, promised in marriage. When these young men started to make a living and had completed building an additional room to the family home, they tended to get married to their betrothed by about age 18. Even though a lot of growing up happens between ages 13 and 18, we can hardly imagine it. Mary's life did not go according to plan. Her maturing and growing up was put on the fast track when she received a heavenly visitor, an angel, we're told, by the name of Gabriel. As far as I'm concerned, her life was already on the fast track, and in this encounter with the divine, it went to warp speed. The big church word that we use to describe this human divine encounter is called the Annunciation. 
which means announcement. These days, apparently, it's a thing to have a, a party when a couple is, is expecting. And they want to announce to family and friends if they are going to have a boy or a girl. Of course, in the olden days, we didn't know until the baby was born if it was going to be a boy or a girl. But nowadays, some couples announce to their family and friends with a big hoopla, pink confetti or blue confetti exploding out of a giant popped balloon or pink or blue powder pouring out of something or pink or blue dye in water balloons, which I guess having water balloons is a lot safer plan than some of the reveals that people have come up with. But Gabriel's reveal to Mary beats them all. To this 13, 14-year-old girl, Gabriel reveals that Mary, one, is going to be expecting, two, that this baby is conceived miraculously by the power of the Holy Spirit, three, this baby will be a boy, and four, she is to name him Jesus. Now, that's a lot for anyone to get their head around, especially if you are a teenage girl that hasn't even been on a real date yet. What is God thinking? Choosing this young girl from an obscure village, Nazareth, that had about 150 people at the time, way out in the hills in Galilee. Now, I know this sounds harsh, but it's true. Mary was a nobody from nowhere. And Gabriel was announcing to her that she was going to bear a son who would be the greatest hope the world has ever known, the Messiah, God with us. And how does Mary respond? Well, she seems so calm in what's written in the Gospel of Luke. She says, well, how can this be since I do not have a husband? Gabriel tries to give her the talk, a little science lesson in, in how conception takes place. But then he gives her the defining word that makes sense to her. He says, nothing is impossible with God. And then she seems to be okay with it. She said, here I am, the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be for me as you have said. Wow, how mature. She had to grow up in an instant. Now we get the idea that it was going to be a challenge for her to tell her mom and her dad and especially Joseph. How do you convince the people who love you and trust you to believe something as unbelievable as this? She knew in this little village of Nazareth that the people would talk. She knew the shame that it would bring upon Joseph and upon their families. And she must have felt completely alone. The Gospel of Luke doesn't say anything about her telling her parents or even telling Joseph, but 
she must have at some point told them all. The angel Gabriel told Mary about her relation, Elizabeth, who was many years older than Mary. God was bringing about the impossible in Elizabeth's life also. She was a woman who had never been able to have children, and in, well, in just a matter of months, she was going to have her first child. The Gospel of Luke says Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea outside Bethlehem, about 90 miles away from Nazareth. She went there to the home of Elizabeth. Most likely, Mary traveled with a caravan with other relatives, but those details have been left out. Elizabeth greets Mary with a big hug, and, and she knows without Mary telling her. As they greet each other, Elizabeth feels her baby move. She says, when you greeted me, the baby leaped in my womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She gives this blessing to Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. Of all the things that Mary might have been thinking and feeling, worried, afraid of how her family was going to take this, how Joseph was going to react. It made all the difference in the world for Elizabeth to give her this blessing and have such a confirmation that what was happening was good and this was all right and that God was going to make it all right. Mary was not alone. God was with Mary. And God provided Elizabeth, a loved one, someone to share her thoughts and fears, someone to come alongside of her, to come to terms with what was happening in her body and to her life. Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what comes out of her heart, this, this heart of a, a young Teenager are some of the most beautiful and most challenging words found in the Bible. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the loneliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. I've reflected on these words frequently, and they make me squirm because I realize that the team that I've been on my whole life is the team of the rich and powerful. I was born into it. And at some point, the team that I've been on is going to be brought down and sent away empty. 
And I get the idea that my team will be getting off easy as compared to what my team has done to the lowly and the hungry all through the years. When Jesus is grown, Jesus says the same thing in his preaching that his mother Mary said, but in his own words, he says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. My team has been first for a long time and it's time for someone else to be first and it's gonna be okay. When it's God's plan, we can trust it's going to turn out all right. We see over and over in scripture and what we see over and over in our world around us is that great people do nothing. And it's the most ordinary, unnoticed people who do something to change the world. Way too often, good people like me just stay silent. The tape I play in my head is, who am I? I'm just one person. What difference can I make? I can't change anything. But here's Mary, one person, a young teenager, and a nobody who believes that she can do something because she believes. She believes God can do the impossible. This year, I feel like I'm getting to see Mary's story with fresh eyes. Where the Mary story intersects with our stories is the experience of having to grow up too fast. You've been there, starting a career, going into the military, starting a family, moving away from home, dealing with a crisis close to home. You feel the weight of the responsibility on your shoulders. Someone is depending on you. Someone needs you. You are having to make decisions about your life that you've never had to make before. Well, growing up fast can happen at any age from the first day of kindergarten to the final days of our lives. We are confronted with new challenges and deep sorrows that compel us to make choices we've never had to make before, to take on responsibilities and realities that we've never faced, and we just hope against hope that we do the right thing. And sometimes in the midst of our decisions and the path that unfolds, unfolds before us, we feel very much alone. I'm convinced that what we need now in these situations where we grow up fast is a grown-up faith, a faith that does not rely on easy answers a faith that is not based on certainty, but a faith that has complexity, that has shadows, that has room for questions and room for doubt, 
A faith that accepts that God is much more complicated than what our brains can grasp. But a faith that trusts, that trusts that above all, God is love. The good news is, God is is there with you. God is with you in your deepest thoughts. God is as close as the air we breathe, as close as the words on our lips, and we can call upon God at any time. You are not alone. God is with us. And God provides. God provides an Elizabeth or a John, a voice you hear on the phone or or one you see face to face, even if you're separated by a pane of glass. God provides someone who understands, who has the life experience and the scars. It forms a bond with you. You know that they know without having to explain it. And they are able to enter into that hurt and uncertainty with you. God provides the people we need to get us through. As Melva and I are finding out right now, right here at Grace. Mary teaches us the lessons we need to know during this Advent. To trust, even when we don't fully understand. To trust that God is with us, doing impossible things in and through us. Sending us the right people at the right time. And giving us the courage to pray as Mary prayed. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be. Let it all unfold as you have planned. Amen.
face of God, Mary, did you know? Precious Savior, breathlessly we wait for your coming. The house is being made ready for this very different kind of Christmas. The tree is trimmed with beautiful lights and sentimental ornaments. Already there are presents under the tree. Our hearts are filled to overflowing with love for you and for one another. As we have lifted before you our joys and concerns, so lift our spirits to remember that you are always with us, offering your healing touch and your compassionate care. Help us to place our trust in you. And so we come and lift before you all those who are grieving this season, who will be facing empty chairs and empty arms and facing the first season without loved ones close at hand. Pour out your comfort upon them, O Lord, in your infinite mercy, we pray. Especially do we lift up the family of Dick Nowers in this time. Bring the hope of your promise into the hearts of his family, that they may know the sure and certain assurance of your resurrection. We pray for all those who are being treated for cancer. We pray for strength, for healing and wholeness. We especially lift up Norma, that you may strengthen her spirit, guide her in all her ways, and reveal to her your will for her days ahead. Pour out upon her your spirit of hope and peace. We bring before you Janet's sister, Jennifer, for healing of her lungs and thrombosis in her leg. Ease her pain and restore her to health, we pray. We lift up all those affected by COVID-19. You know the cries of our hearts. 
We give you thanks for the work of so many who have worked valiantly on the vaccine, which means the healthcare workers are finally able to be with their own spouses and children. We give you thanks and pray for patience, Lord, as we move forward, for grace and mercy to navigate these days ahead and your wisdom to walk in your ways. We continue to lift up baby Mason and pray your continuing power to bring healing and wholeness upon him. Pour out your hope and peace upon his family. We pray for those who have been struggling with the flu and seasonal viruses. Oh Lord, bring them healing, we pray. Help us slow down and reflect on the many ways in which you bless us. Let us drink deeply of your peace. Remind us again of the most precious gift of all, the gift of those we cherish and the peaceful moments you offer to us. Come into our waiting hearts that we may celebrate the miraculous day of your birth. Welcome, Lord Jesus, for it is in your name that we pray as you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
receive this blessing. Company's coming. Jesus is coming. We wait on tiptoe. We wait expecting the impossible for God to redeem us and redeem our world. May God's blessing shower upon you to give you a grown-up faith, trusting that God will show up and all God's plans for us and for our world will turn out all right. Amen.